Welcome to another edition of the QC Fit Fest podcast. How's it going? I'm just Joni, along with Chris Maltzberger, and we've got a soccer camp coming up here in March, March 12th and 13th, that uh, we're going to talk about, and then we're going to bring on a very special guest, Chris. Yeah, you know, very excited. You know, obviously, um, it's, it's been uh, organized chaos as usual, Joni, especially with our Health and Fitness Expo coming up this weekend. It's going to be uh, the 26th and the 27th at the Bend Expo in East Moline. So we're super pumped for that. But then just a couple weeks after the Health and Fitness Expo, we have an amazing soccer camp lined up with some very special guest coaches coming in. Uh, we've got Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly, and Tish Vancherini. Uh, super excited to have all those ladies coming into town. And, um, yeah, I'm just over, over excited. So yeah, they, <laughs> well, they, they've been doing such, such great work with Team First Soccer Academy for, um, you know, young teens and kids in soccer and, and those even in college wanting to participate and, um, learn more. Of course, why not learn from the absolute best? And if you're ready, I'm ready, Chris, because we've been really just very excited for this interview for several weeks now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I can't wait to bring her in. I can tell you, I remember, um, and, and, and we can bring her in, but I, I, before I just remember, I think it was in, uh, last year in June, I, I was trying to figure out, you know, we had just, uh, finished, or we were just getting ready to do our, our other health and fitness expo in the basketball camp. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, my daughter is super heavily involved in competitive soccer. And I wanted to fi- figure out what, what kind of a female role model can I bring in to this area to put in front of her and her friends and all the other young ladies that's in this area. And I remember I had reached out to Christine Lilly. Um, I had, I had a list and I reached out to Christine Lilly and she had said, yes, this would be great. Do you mind if I bring my partners uh, uh, who I do team first with? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, and then I realized that it was Mia and Tish who are two other people on that list. And I'm like, three <laughs> birds with one stone. This is fantastic. So I've been super excited about this since last year. And uh, yes, I don't want to wait any longer. Go ahead and bring her in. Absolutely. And I know Jesse Anderson, our other partner with QC Fit Fest, he's, he's been you know spearheading um, soccer camps and uh, soccer teams that he's built also here in the Quad Cities. And so, you know, Mia Hamm was just on, on our, the top of our list. So if I were to just share all of her accomplishments and achievements, we'd be here all day. She's one of the most decorated and notable women in sports, paving the way for women in sports, in particular soccer, of course. She's the author of a beautiful children's book called Winners Never Quit, a mama to three beautiful children. Please welcome Mia Hamm to the QC Fit Best podcast. Mia, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I um, am just more, more than excited. As you, as you know, we've said it multiple times to have you a part of our, our soccer camp. Um, anything that we're doing with QC Fit Fest is always a look at how can we help children and families achieve movement, achieve the best possible education uh, right here in our backyard in order to, you know, stay fit, active and healthy. So I got to ask you as a mom, what are some of the ways that you have been able to promote fitness and health and good eating with your children along the way? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the things we talked to them, um, about as, as kids, now that my husband and are older, you know, for us, it was a part of our everyday life. And, um, just to make it a part of yours, just find something active that you enjoy. And, you know, even as silly as, especially during COVID, we would go out and play wall ball because 
you know, our yards here in Southern California are not very big, um, you know, play wall ball and, and throw the lacrosse ball around and kick the soccer ball, just finding environments to kind of be active and have fun. And it, it doesn't have to be training. Um, and, you know, it should be enjoyable for you. But the earlier you can start it, the more it'll be a part of your life going forward, and especially as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. Having that routine, like you said, especially early on, uh, creates uh, good, healthy habits as they're as they're growing up and, and becoming adults themselves. Um, so, so one question I always like, I always have fun with this question because I'm always intrigued by the answers. Um, we've had some other former athletes on, and one question I always like to ask, just kind of staying on the topic of health and fitness, um, what was the health and fitness scene like when you were in sports? Um, whether it be coming up as a high school athlete all the way into your journey into North Carolina, was health and fitness super important or was it kind of just you guys were still ordering pizza and that was your daily diet? Um, well, I was fortunate growing up. My mom um, was a ballet dancer, so we ate very healthy growing up. Um, you know, I probably when I got to college was like, oh, my God, what? what are these sugar cereals? I never had these growing up. So let me, let me try some of those. But, but I think you, you learn um, through experience, but also through education about how to fuel your body, how to take care of yourself. Um, You know, in college, especially when you're living in a dorm, you're kind of um, subject to kind of whatever is being prepared in your dining hall, but just finding some way to, get the adequate nutrition into your body and making sure that, you know, kind of both physical and mental wellness are part of your everyday life. You know, for me, I had that part of my training um, scheduled for me. And it was just a matter of making sure I ate uh, enough um, and the proper type of calories, not just empty calories. So, you know, you, you kind of trial and error at times and the more you educate, I remember with national team, we'd have um, dietitians come in and talk to us about the importance of, of getting certain uh, nutrients into your body. And I think if you talk to athletes today, it's much more um, specialized and specific to their body type. Like they can, you know, do different types of analysis to make sure you're getting what your body needs rather than kind of this general blanket idea of what your caloric intake should be each day and also what those calories um, should the makeup of those calories. Absolutely. And and that kind of uh, is right in alignment with what we always say. Um, I kind of joke around. I just, we just did a, um, an interview, me and Jody just did an interview on the local TV station for our health and fitness expo. And I said this on there too. It's kind of like a broken record. We say this all the time. And that is a, uh, when it comes to health and fitness, there's not a one size fits all. Right. And, and that's, and that's kind of what you're saying with, um, uh, with everything that you just mentioned right now. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you also kind of learn, um, like even day before a game or game day kind of nutrition, what works for you? Because for some people, it's different. Um, some people can eat, you know, a large plate of protein and carbohydrates and be fine. And then I know for me, I'd have to eat more like 
peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just something that didn't upset my stomach as, as much. Sure. Um, something that put something in your stomach, but didn't upset you when you were out there playing. Correct. So you kind of learn through trial and error what works for you. Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, and, and one, one other thing I want to bring up, and then I'm going to let Jody jump in here, is um, so at this camp um, that's coming up March 12th and 13th here in Davenport, Iowa, um, we're going to have yourself, but we also have um, some you know, longstanding teammates of yours, Christine Lilly and Tish Vancherini. Mm-hmm. Um, and for any listeners out there that might not know this, you, you, all three of you ladies went to North Carolina together and have been together since college, correct? Yeah, we played on the youth national team together and played on the national team uh, together as well. And then obviously between that, um, went to UNC. So we're best of friends, teammates. And what I love, first of all, every time I come into camp, I learn something new from them. And, you know, one of the things that we have as friends and teammates is an incredible trust in each other. And I think you'll see that in our camp. Um, You know, not every player is going to identify with me, um, but they could with Tish or Christine or vice versa. Like, there's a comfort in what we do because we trust each other so much. Uh, For example, I might be running one aspect of the session and I might forget, you know, an important point. And, you know, Christine will kind of pick me up and step right in and be like, Hey, don't forget, you know, to attack that front foot. When you take a player on, it's like, Oh yeah, thanks. You know, thanks. Well, you've had my back. And um, and that's one of the things that I think makes this camp so special. The other thing is we're on the field for every minute of every session. Um, it's not like we show up and do the intro and, you know, go back and go back to the hotel and hang out. We're we're advising coaching every minute of every session. That's really beautiful. I like, I like the aspect of trust on a team because, you know, often you got a lot of the accolades. You got a lot of the, the press, uh, during the Olympics and for all of the things that you've accomplished. What is one of the most valuable things that you've learned about being on a team and, and got a lot of the camera time? There was a whole team that you were on and you were still a team member, you know, first and foremost. So yeah, what, what are some of the best, most valuable things that you've learned about being on a team? Well, that everyone has value and it's, it's important to be your own person. Um, as especially, you know, to embrace those differences that you have. Cause I mean, that's like you talk to Christine. Um, she has a different approach to the game and she might, uh, see aspects of it differently than I do. We have, you know, cause we've been around the same coaches for so long a general similar understanding of, you you know, how we want to play. But I love that about being a team. I don't want a team of all Mia Hams for sure. And, you know, Christine is probably the most versatile player that's ever played the game. You can play her on any line. Um, On the attack, she can score goals midfield, she can play make. And, um, you know, we even had her in the defense at times, marking one of the opposing team's better attacking personalities. And, you know, she's the most cap player in history, male or female, um, which means uh, she's resilient 
and she takes care of herself. Um, Tisha was uh, probably one of the most dynamic midfielders that we had. She'll tell you I'm not very fast, but she was so quick on the ball. Her vision was tremendous. Her timing in the air, um, she was fearless. And she just has this wonderful kind of sense about her. She's incredibly approachable and and funny. Um, she's got an, a really dry sense of humor, which I love. And like I said, I I learned from them. But another exciting for me now aspect as a mom is to have my my kids be around them. That's beautiful. So it's really, it really is on and off the field for all of these years together. And oh yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. You, you had me in the fields earlier. I was watching an old interview that you did or an old promo you did for Blue Cross Blue Shield. It was called You're Worth It. And just everything you were talking about with you know, not only being um, an Olympian, but then also being a mother, I was getting tears in my eyes and I called Chris to game plan, you know, before the interview. And he's like, how are you? I said, I'm balling over here over a Blue Cross <laughs> Blue Shield infomercial oh. with Mia. It was great. And I just, you know, the, the idea of, of the, the lasting friendships, the, the, the human aspect of, of what you do is, is just so important to capture. Well, I, I think it's important for these young players to understand, like, this is what the game and sports can bring to your life is, you know, we competed at the highest level. We wanted to win World Cups. We wanted to win gold medals. But at the end of the day, the most important thing are the people. And, um, you know, they made me better every single day. They invested in themselves first and foremost because they believed their value, but they believed in me and my other teammates that we were worth the investment. And I think that's another important thing to share is, you know, it wasn't always kind of rainbows and roses. Like there were a lot of dark times for us, both on the field and off. And, and they continued to be there and support, you know, we would support each other. Um, and that's important for, you know, these young players to understand that, you know, they just see the kind of the end of all the hard work and the time away from family standing up on the podium. Um, but these teammates have kind of shared every aspect getting to that. And that's what I appreciate most about them is, is, you know, cause there were days and practices where, you know, I know personally I wasn't successful or I wasn't the most positive teammate to be around. And, um, they kind of straightened me out and pulled me up by the scruff of my neck and said, Hey, get back on the line. We can do this. We all need friends like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and that's, that's what I'm constantly, um, explaining to my daughter and her friends. Um, you know, I've coached that I've, I was their head coach in softball. Uh, I am now their assistant coach in basketball and, um, at their, at their grade school she goes to. And then I've even helped coach a soccer uh, tournament um, that we went to. And the one thing I always say is the importance of your teammates and being um, being there for them. You know, but, you know, it's it's you know, you, there's a camaraderie that you find in in sports that you really don't find anywhere else. At least not to my knowledge. Um, now, obviously, I was never in the military, so I got to join that. I, I got to assume there's some tight bonds if you join something like that. But but sports at a at a young age. 
you're creating those bonds and the importance of being there for someone other than yourself. When, when you're playing sports, you're playing for a whole team. You're not just playing for yourself. And I love that. Um, that's what I love about even just in the name of, of your, your guys' company, Team First. I love everything that that stands for. One other thing I wanted to bring up, um, Mia, before we forget, is I wanted to find out a little bit about your foundation. I know you're a part of a foundation, and I want mm-hmm. to just kind of let any of our listeners know what that's about and uh, how they can get involved or help if they wanted to. I appreciate that. So the, the Mia Ham Foundation started in, I think, around 99, 98, 99. And my, it was shortly after my older brother passed away. Um, My two brothers were adopted. We found out um, my brother was sick when he was a senior in high school. Um, He was three and a half, almost four years older than I was. And he had aplastic anemia to start off with. Then he went through kind of all these protocols and procedures and he was doing really well, but then ended up having what's called myelodysplasia um, where his body really didn't produce any healthy blood cells. So he needed a bone marrow transplant. My family was um, sitting there, not sure if insurance was going to cover it. I think I was only making about $30,000 a year. Um, you know, there was a lot of medical bills piling up and I just, I went to do an appearance after the 96 Olympics and was just, I brought information of how people could be involved in the bone marrow registry. You know, my brother and I shared a love and a passion for sports. He kind of always let me hang out with him and his friends and, and play. Um, so after that game is, is how it really kind of started and. I I just thought this was a way to kind of help families who are going through similar struggles that me and my family were, but also to share the kind of bond that my brother had, <clears throat> my brother and I had through sports. So, you know, we help families going through bone marrow failure disease and bone marrow transplants, but also with groups to try to help empower and encourage girls through sports. So. Um, Team First has been wonderful. Corey and my teammates, uh, we've been able to raise some money through some of the stuff we've done with Team First, but I do a golf tournament every year in Chapel Hill and help their community because, um, you know, UNC, my time at UNC was life changing. And to be able to give back to that community is incredibly important to me. Absolutely. And how can people find this foundation if they want they to donate? They can go to miafoundation.org and it'll have all the, the, um, information with what we do, um, our outreach and how they can, can participate. That's awesome. Well, well, you know, that had to have been such a, a tough thing to go through. And, um, I guess if there's, if there's any sort of a silver lining, it's that you were able to put yourself in a position to make awareness of this and to create this foundation. So, uh, super, um, happy for you that you were able to create that. Um, obviously, um, uh, the reason behind it, it, it must have been very tough. Um, but at least you're able to raise awareness, uh, moving forward, uh, in those situations. So I just wanted to make sure that I was able to let you uh, mention that before, uh, before we went any further. 
Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so kind of just staying along the lines of family, another question that I have, um, and, and I can be totally wrong on this, but I know growing up, um, when I was growing up in the 80s and the 90s, um, soccer was um, not as popular as it was today, um, at least in my neck of the woods, I guess I should say. Um, we were still playing soccer, but it's not the soccer that is in the market today and, and the popularity-wise. Um, it was growing up for me, it was baseball, basketball, and football, maybe wrestling, right? And for my sisters, it was kind of softball, volleyball, and cheerleading, right? So, uh, what was the, the family setting with you growing up? Was, was soccer, um, popular? Did your parents, were they all in on soccer? Did they know anything about soccer? What was it like for you? Well, so my, my dad was career Air Force. And when I was young, probably, I want to say nine months after I was born, um, it was just my two older sisters and myself, but we moved over to Florence, Italy, because my dad was getting his master's degree at the university over there. And, you know, as a young family, we didn't live on a base. We lived right in the middle of Florence in a small apartment surrounded by Italians. Um, you know, my, my parents learned Italian and they kind of lived the life of their neighbors. So one neighbor took them to a Fiorentina game. Um, my dad knew a little bit about soccer, but he said once he left the first game, he just fell in love with it. And so when we moved back stateside and my siblings could start playing, uh, there were two things. One was just he loved the game. And and two, with a family of six kids, soccer back in the day was not very expensive. <laughs> um, you just, you know, you just needed a ball. You sure. really didn't even need cleats. And um, <clears throat> so it was it was much more affordable for us. And along with the love. Um, and, and the other thing I love about soccer is you don't, it really doesn't discriminate in terms of like height or ability or anything like that. Like to be successful, you can, you know, right now I, I look at the, the men's and women's players, the best in the world are average height. I mean, Lionel Messi might be five, seven. Um, and he dominates, you know, it's, it's really mm -hmm. fun to see and kind of, and for me and, and my siblings, it was just a way to get outside and play. That's amazing. What a great opportunity that you got to live in Florence. And, and that was kind of what paved the path. I, I got to give a quick shout out to, to women getting equal pay in soccer this week. And I know that you had a huge, huge role to play in laying the foundation for that. Um, but my next question is, you know, you were, t you mentioned the affordability of sports with six kids. And I, I come from a family with six kids as well. And, um, since women's sports are typically underfunded, including Olympic soccer, how were you able to afford to train for the Olympics? Was there some kind of special funding or sponsorship <laughs> that you got? Or, and was it the same for male soccer teams? Um, well, let's see. So 96, the Olympics, I was very fortunate that I went you know, playing in college. That's how I trained. Um, I graduated in 94 and basically lived in Chapel Hill and was able to train with the team and I'd train on my own. Um, 
you know, I got a part-time job working at, uh, at when, when I was in college, I worked at soccer.com. It used to be called Eurosport. So I would take orders, process orders. Um, but I was lucky enough when I graduated college that Nike kind of called me up and that allowed me to train full time. Um, and so that's what I did. You know, I know not a lot of players had that opportunity. So just trying to create the environment to make you competitive, to, to stay on that team for as long as you could. That's amazing. I'm so glad you got that opportunity because I, you know, you, you, it's just the things that keep you up at night when you start thinking about oh, talking yeah. to an Olympic athlete, you know, an Olympian no, winner. for sure. Like, and how did you get there? Yeah. And you still have athletes that are doing that, you know, this past Winter Olympics and who, you know, try to find ways. Sponsorship, especially of the USOC, is incredibly important. Um, so I know a lot of those sponsors were so grateful for that commitment to allow the athletes just to focus full time. But there are a lot of athletes that have to make that hard choice. You know, do I try to compete another three years for the Olympics and go into serious debt trying to do it? And that's a sad thing to kind of have to um, face. So I know with this equal pay, it's one of the things that was so important to the players was not only for their commitment, but future generations. So um, I just want to say thank you. It took so much time and courage and perseverance on their part. And um, just incredibly proud and grateful for, for their sacrifices. Absolutely. Well, you know me, I know that we're getting towards the end of the interview. Um, so I just want to give one last, um, I guess, kind of shout out to the listeners to let them know that you and Christine Lilly and Tish Venturi will be in Davenport, Iowa, uh, this upcoming March 12th and 13th to host a soccer camp at the St. Ambrose Dome on Brady Street. We've actually already, uh, we do also have the um, St. Ambrose women's soccer team who will be there helping out. Um, as, nice. as, uh, yeah, so they're they're super excited. Uh, we're going to have them there with you ladies to kind of uh, help out the kids. And um, we're we're very excited to have you you girls in, in town. And um, And please go to the Team First Soccer Academy website for more information to sign up. So, yes, absolutely. You can go to team first soccer Academy, which is the website. It's actually team first for registration. Um, uh, or if you could also go to the qcfitfest.com website for registration, either one uh, will direct you right to the registration. Me, I'm, I'm going to tell you my personal opinion. You've gone from North Carolina NCAA championships to commercials with Michael Jordan to Olympic gold medals all the way down to being the first women inducted into the World Football Hall of Fame. And now you're coming to Davenport, Iowa, and I'm going to put up a pretty big challenge on those accolades. I think I think we're going to give you a run for your money on your most favorite time. How about, what do you think about that? That sounds good. I'm, I'll be ready. I'm going to start training it. now. Perfect. I love it. Well, Mia, thank you again for taking the time. I know that me and Joni were extremely happy to have you on today, and uh, thank you again for your time. If you want to stick around for a couple seconds afterwards, we'd love to talk to you. That'd be great. Thank you. All right.